My husband, Al, and I, we're about to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah. We, we think we're going to make it to the 40th. We're pretty sure, right? We're going to make it. And so to get ready, I've been looking through old photos and looking through these photos of the weekend in 1983. Okay, and so there are pictures of Alan and I, we're so young, we're so naive and stupid, it's lovely. Then there are these wonderful pictures of people who just, who aren't even with us anymore. Um, but what I've been looking for, and I can't find, is a picture that was taken the day after my wedding. And it was a picture of my dad. And he's in my front yard, front yard of our house, cleaning up after the party the night before. And in the picture, he's leaning on a rake, and he's kind of slumped over, and he's staring into space. And my mother titled this photo, the I just gave my daughter away blues. <laughs> Isn't that the way it is? After a big event, after a celebration, it's normal to have a bit of a letdown a bit of blues, whether it's the birth of a baby or a graduation or, or retirement. So many things that we build up and celebrate. And it's only normal that when it's over, we don't really welcome ordinary living coming back and taking a place in our life. This morning, we're going to read a story about the disciples of Jesus after the resurrection. You know, all of that wonderful stuff happened. The, the empty tomb, the appearance of Jesus to all kinds of people in Jerusalem. But the Gospel of John tells us that eventually the disciples took the 65-mile trip back north to the Sea of Tiberias, to their home. And they stayed there and they waited for what was going to happen next. Now, if you know anything about the Apostle Peter, you know that he wasn't exactly a contemplative, right? Was not a contemplative. And so after a few days of waiting for Jesus, he got fidgety, he got antsy. And he decided, well, if we're back to ordinary life, I need to do the ordinary thing. I'm gonna start working again. And he stood up and said, let's go fishing and everyone went with him. So as we read this post-Easter story from the Gospel of John, let us pray. Loving God, so much of Scripture is filled with story, and some of these stories we have heard so many times. So speak to us now that morning right after Easter, as the day was dawning and spirits were waning, Speak to us of your presence and your power in unexpected and ordinary places. Amen. Hear now this reading from the 20th chapter of John. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. And when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there and fish on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, and he hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, friends, look at this story closely. It's the story of an ordinary daybreak in an ordinary boat with a rather ordinary dilemma no fish to take to market, a night's labor wasted. That's all. It's not the Garden of Gethsemane, it's not Golgotha, it's not an empty tomb, it's not an angel appearance, it's not a life and death situation. Just an ordinary day, just an ordinary problem. Then as the disciples start to bring their boats to shore, they spot a stranger waving on the beach, asking, do you have any fish? And hearing that they don't, he offers a suggestion, well, just cast your nets on the other side. Well, we all know what happened, don't we? The nets were full, they were busting at the seams, more fish than they could have ever anticipated for a night's fishing. And that's when the disciples recognize Jesus. Jesus standing on the beach. Jesus just waiting and speaking. Jesus present with them, taking a very ordinary day and making something extraordinary happen. But the truth is, Jesus was always there. They couldn't recognize him, but he was there, wanting to help, wanting to make their lives fuller, richer, more abundant, already building a fire and roasting fish for those who had labored all night in vain. And friends, this is good news for us, because the risen Christ remains present amid our ordinary days, our disappointing efforts, and our lackluster attempts at faithfulness. Thanks be to God. Jesus is present on this beautiful but low Sunday, just as on a bright, crowded Easter Sunday morning present on an ordinary Monday, just as on the brightest, most glorious day we've ever experienced. We know this. We believe this. This isn't really news, but we tend to measure our lives by the big things, the special days, the victorious highs. And friends, that is not how God works. God's love God's presence, they never vary. God's ability to make our lives richer and more complete, that never falters. Jesus said it this way in the 10th chapter of John's gospel. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, abundant life. That's the promise of Scripture, that there is abundance in Christ, abundant fish, abundant hope, abundant joy and patience and love. And friends, there are days I know that you can feel that because I can too, the glorious best days of our lives. But this gospel lesson teaches us that any day, any ordinary day, while we're doing our ordinary work, casting our nets in the same old way, dreaming of and wishing for a better day, waiting for God to do something, that any such day can be abundant. About 10 years ago, my congregation in Dallas gave me a sabbatical. I had served them uh, for eight years. I had accompanied them through some really tough times. If you take me out for a glass of wine, I'll share that with you. Some really tough times. And I was dangerously depleted, dangerously depleted. So I took charge and I planned a trip to New Mexico. I planned this trip very carefully, carefully, specifically to be alone, to be in prayer, and to be in discernment about my future, and to be renewed in my life and ministry. And y'all, I really did plan well. I mean, this was intense. Three days of silence in a monastery, a week at a Presbyterian conference center called Ghost Ranch, where I also was in silence, and hiked and, and did a lot of writing. And then I took a pilgrimage of my own doing through Taos and Santa Fe and the Carson National Forest to places that were really important to me from my childhood and my young adulthood. And all of this was designed to bring about some kind of encounter with God, right? Some kind of answer about what I was supposed to do next with my burned out self. And I have to tell you, it didn't work. It didn't work. I mean, I got a lot of sleep. I did. And I read a lot. But being in those beautiful places with that intense spiritual focus, it yielded nothing tangible. And in all honesty, I was disappointed. I remember that last night in Santa Fe, before I flew out, I checked into a and b I slept okay, I woke up early, I wandered down to the dining hall, and some person sat me beside a window, and there was nothing much to look at, and I, I remember vividly staring out the window, looking at nothing, thinking nothing, and then someone and I literally don't know who it was. Someone came and literally laid a plate in front of me, a plate of breakfast. It was a single fried egg with some avocado and some homemade bread. I remember this vividly. It is seared in my memory. I stared at it for the longest time, such an ordinary thing, 
such a simple breakfast, and yet it was at that moment that God spoke to me. Not in the severe silence and the midnight prayers of the monastery, not in the rugged beauty of the forest or the Chama River, but in an ordinary breakfast plate with a fried egg. Eat, Stacy. Rest, Stacy. I'm with you. I've always been with you. I'm going to go home with you, and you are not done yet. I have to tell you, it was very unexpected, but it was exceedingly clear. On that beach, Jesus' disciples were also shocked and surprised. They didn't expect Jesus to show up the way he did at dawn in the middle of a disappointing work day. It was unexpected. And when Jesus told them, why don't you just throw your nets on the other side of the boat, directions that, by the way, made absolutely no sense, right? It was very clear what they needed to do, and they obeyed. John's Gospel leaves us with a beautiful picture of the life of faith. And in this picture, faithfulness isn't measured by our greatest acts of service or our most magnificent experiences of God's presence. And our faithfulness isn't measured by our biggest failures. No, in this picture, faithfulness is measured by our ability to recognize God in the ordinary stuff of life, day after day, week after week, year after year. Our faithfulness is measured by our ability to pay attention, to listen, to see God at work all around us, and then to follow and obey. Peter learned this on that ordinary day on the beach in Galilee. You see, as he was sitting by that fire eating fish, there's something kind of unsaid that was laying just beneath the surface. The denial, right? Peter had denied Jesus right before his trial and crucifixion, and of course, Jesus wasn't going to leave it alone. Remember what he does. He comes to Peter saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And after this, he said to him, follow me. Yes, you denied me, Peter, but do you love me? On this ordinary morning, eating this ordinary meal, do you love me? Then follow. And Peter's life moves forward full of power and purpose. He's called, he's forgiven, he's ready to take his place in God's larger story. The real miracle on that beach, it isn't the abundant catch of fish. It's a resurrection a resurrection of Jesus' faithful followers, a resurrection that happens again and again to the faithful. The psalmist puts it this way, you have turned my mourning into dancing, you've taken off my sackcloth and you've clothed me with joy. So my soul may praise you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I give thanks to you forevermore. Mourning into dancing, clothed with joy, not ashes, 
That is what our resurrecting God does. And God does this day after day after day, and we're invited to pay attention, to listen, and to hold out the possibility that at any time and at any place, Christ's presence in the ordinary stuff of our lives, the giving, the caring, the sharing, the hoping, will create and does create extraordinary and abundant life.